0: That is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boati as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. It's a glad tidings to be gathered together again in the name of the Lord. Every year we look forward to coming to fellowship with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm excited to see all of you once again. God bless you pastors. God bless you shepherds. God bless you leaders for all that you are doing. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Never be in vain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for all of you members who are following You've been following your pastors you've been following your bishop your life will only get better and from glory to glory and in this ministry i'm telling you i guarantee you 100 percent comprehensive insurance policy your life will only be better if you follow well your life will just improve hallelujah God has given you one of his choices, seven, the bishop with a class. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So, so you are blessed. Yeah, because he's following the Lord. Hardly, it is safe to follow him because he's following the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has given you shepherds and pastors after his own heart. Who are feeding you, all that you have to do is to follow and receive the word and your life will change and on that day you also be joyful and, go, and, 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 and happy because of what your life became on earth. Hallelujah. I know in my heart that God has something greater for you and it's, it's manifesting, it's burdened, it's blossoming Yeah, it takes the eye of faith to see it. Yeah, you are loved of God. And God has something great for you. Yeah, if you can just see five years from now, ten years from now, it will surprise you what your own life will become. Because of where you are and because of your following, because you are following God in His Word. Praise God. And God knows that thirty things towards you, of good and not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. So no matter where you are and what you are going through, God is thinking something wonderful for you. And if in this ministry you you are connected to a certain anointing, we are not just saying words. It's a stream of anointing that is so powerful. I was praying, God, what do you have for your people? What is in your mind? What is in your heart concerning your people? Love economy. And as I was praying, all of a sudden God opened my eyes and I saw God raining, raining gold dust on you. Yes, that's what I saw. I saw God raining gold dust. Gold dust. Gold dust that is like light. Gold dust. Shut Beautiful. There are certain things when you see you cannot, it, it can't just recover. You know that is it. And God is not a man that he should lie. Let's see the book of Haggai, chapter 2, let's see from 7, it's so powerful. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give you peace, say it the Lord of hosts. Alright, let's go back to 7. So you see that in verse 7, he mentions glory. I will fill this house with glory. And in verse 9, he mentions glory in verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And in verse 8, he mentions money. The silver and the gold is mine. So almost like the silver and the gold, which is money, is sandwiched between glory and glory. Do you see that silver and gold is sandwiched between glory and glory. I'll fill this house with glory the glory of this latter house shall be greater. Then in between he says the silver and the gold is mine the reason is because when God's glory manifests the deposit is wealth you see God's glory is not distinct from wealth in fact the Bible says Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these the glory of Solomon was his wealth. That when the Bible speaks of the glory of the Gentiles or of the nations, it speaks of their wealth. So when you are in glory, God brings wealth and gives you wealth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For his cause and for his purpose to run on earth. Why am I saying this? Because you see, the goal that came on you is his glory. In his glory, you begin to I'm, I'm telling you, when his glory, the glory of God, you, you, you become the manifestation of God. Where, where, wherever you go, it's like Jesus has gone there. It is the beauty of the excellences of Christ. In the midst of it, you are going to be wealthy. I'm just interpreting what I saw to you. It's going to happen. Oh, just take it by faith and believe it it's going to happen my, my, my look yes, I want all of you to be in glory God's manifest glory and I want all of you to be millionaires it's very important millionaires coming to people who have the right mindset for the kingdom right mindset, they don't live for themselves they don't live for themselves they know that what they have is for the advancement of the kingdom of God. When money gets into the hands of the right people, you know what happens. When the money is in the hands of the right people, the orphans leap for joy. The heart of the widow sings for joy. <laughs> the oppressed, the those who cannot, you know, because money is in the hands of the right people, and I'm telling you, families are going to be blessed.
1: The
0: poor is going to be comforted. Because God now positions you at the right place. And you are going to be their source, Supplying to them to relieve the poor, to relieve the oppressed. Churches will be enhanced. Pastors are blessed. I'm telling you. (laughs) Hallelujah. And God is going to give you wild businesses. And some of your businesses... Your monthly tithe to love economy, your business is tightened to church, and you, you, what you see is $100,000. <laughs> <has paid. laughs> it's going to happen in Jesus' name.
1: She
0: and God's work is going to prosper and run speedily on the earth.
1: <laughs>
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when I saw this, then I asked the Lord, so what do you want, what do you want him to say? I'm telling you, the Lord showed me the vision, the Lord said, the reign of my people. The rain, R-E-Raining. How do you spell it? R-E-I-Rain. Amazing. Actually, God wants you to rain. The rain. He wants you to rain in life. In life. As in, in Christ. To rain. To rain. If I had wanted to come and preach, I would never have actually guessed this topic. But that's what God told me. That's why he told me, reign, the reign of my people. And I was talking to Bishop and I was saying that I remember during the camp meeting, Prophet Achumanase prophesied to Bishop and said he saw him on the throne. And he even spoke of the throne being the symbol of love economy. So when I saw that, I, I remembered. I said, ah, our, God impressed on me deeply today that, look, he has ordained that you people should reign. You push rain, rain, and I'm going to explain what it means to rain. Okay. Wow. Yeah, because that's what he said, rain. So you begin to rain. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. to rain, to rain in life. Praise the Lord.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Okay, raining in life, raining in Judges chapter one, verse six to seven. Now, when Joshua died, there was no leader in Israel. There were certain elders. And they had to fight against some of the Canaanites who who were like squatters, who were inhabiting the land God gave them. So they asked the Lord, which tribe shall lead us for the battle? And the Lord said, Judah. God always says, Judah. So Judah led Israel to fight against the Canaanites who were inhabiting the land. And they met the king of the land. And his name was Adoni Bezek. This is different from Adoni Zedek. This is Bezek. Okay, <laughs> okay. so Adoni Bezek. And um, apparently in verse 7, this king, you know what he had done? He had taken 70 kings and cut off their thumb and their toes and put them under his table. Very wicked king. He took 70 kings and cut their thumb and their toes and put them under his table. So when the Israelites caught him in the battle, you know what they did? They cut his thumb and they cut his toes. We call it the law of retribution. (laughs) But why did he do that? You get your enemies' kings. You don't kill them. You cut off this this hand. You cut off this hand. You know why he did that? So that they cannot hold the sword to fight, or hold the arrows to shoot. (laughs) He was very smart. Then he cut their toes, so that they cannot stand. They cannot run and keep their body balanced to even fight. So they were just under his table. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were kings. They were kings. For information, I want you to know that we are kings. You see, the Bible says that he has made us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Revelation 5 verse 10. Revelation 1, 6 to 7. And he hath made us unto our God and Father, kings and priests. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So, we are kings and priests. Kings and priests. Then First Peter 2 verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood or a kingdom. Royal priesthood means kings and priests. Literally it is kings and priests. And holy nation, a peculiar people, a people of his possession, called out of darkness to show forth the virtues or to display the excellencies or the perfections of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. All right. So, royal priesthood literally is kings and priests. So, all believers, we are kings. Seated here, we are kings and priests. But you see, Adonibezek kept kings under his table. They were kings, but they couldn't reign. They were kings, but they couldn't rule. Because their hands and their feet were impaired. In the same way, we have believers who are kings and priests, but they cannot reign. Hmm. We have believers who are kings and priests, but they cannot—they are not reigning. You know why? Hmm. Because their walking is impaired. They cannot walk in royalty. Their hands is, in, is impaired. They cannot function as kings. So spiritually they have lost their thumb and their toes. Hmm. So we have many believers, kings and priests, but they are actually victims to life's challenges and life's adverse situations and circumstances. So how can you be a king in life if you are always worrying? How can you be a king in life if you are always depressed? How can we be a king in life if we are always full of anxiety? How can we be a king in life, you understand? But he already made us kings. So you have to wake up to to that identity in Christ so you can rule, you can reign. Because in the Bible, your right thumb ought to be anointed and your right toe ought to be anointed, not cut off, praise God. So we shouldn't have kings who cannot function as kings, like what Adonibezek did, or kings who cannot walk in royalty. You are supposed to walk in royalty. Even if there is no money in your pocket, you are supposed to smile as though Christ died. You are supposed to smile as though Christ died even if there is no money in your pocket. Because you are walking in revelation. That's what the word makes everything. Your celebration is rooted in revelation. You may not have anything in your pocket, but you know that your faith and the word of God in your mouth will bring everything you have ever needed. (laughs) It may take some patience, but it will come. It will come. It will come. Praise God. (laughs) It will come. If you think it it cannot come, look at your ministry where it began and where it is now. So it will come. (laughs) It (laughs) will come. (laughs) <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Now in Joshua chapter 10 verse 24, Joshua did something. You know, Joshua destroyed the, Hiv- the Hivites. Sorry. Um, the Hivites subjected to Joshua. They were strong men, but they subjected to Joshua. And because Joshua was conquering the, pro- the, 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 the Canaanite, all the kings came together and brought Their forces together to fight against Israel. That was when Joshua stopped the sun. Remember when Joshua stopped the sun. After their conquest, Joshua did something remarkable. After conquering all the kings, you know what he did? So just imagine all the kings, he assembled all of them and brought his officers. And he made all the kings bow down and bring their necks down. And the officers had to put their feet on their necks. Hmm. So they put their feet on the necks of all the kings that were vanquished. Just imagine that. They had already been defeated. But Joshua brought the kings and made his men, his captains and officers, put their feet on the necks of those kings. You know what it means? Now, in those days, that was what was done. I defeat you, I ship you, but that's not over. I bring you to me and I put my feet under your neck it implies that you are now my footstool. It implies that you are subjugated and you are subservient to me forever. You are my footstool. <laughs> you are so vanquished that you are now subject, subjected to me forever. Your kingdom cannot, you can't even use your own calendar. You have to use the calendar of my kingdom. Kingdoms have their own calendar. But if that happens, you stop using your own calendar. You are now my slave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus has a throne, but he doesn't have a footstool. (laughs) In fact, when Jesus resurrected and ascended and sat down, the Bible says he has one expectation. There's something he's yearning for. The Bible says he's expecting. That all his enemies be made his footstool. It's in so many places in the Bible. So many places in the Bible. First Corinthians 15 is there, Hebrews 10 is there, Psalm one zero is there. So there's one desire of Jesus. He's waiting and anticipating that his enemies be made his footstool. So he has a throne, but it's left with a footstool. Hmm. But didn't he conquer the devil and ship him? He did. In fact, he destroyed him. Destroyed all his works, but he still needs a footstool because the Bible says, henceforth, expecting. Can you imagine that Jesus today, he's still expecting? Jesus is expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. The enemies who have been destroyed and vanquished, he's expecting. He's just waiting, anticipating till they become his footstool. What is he talking about? We are the body of Christ. You know that, First Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one, and the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. So, my name is George. If my head is George, my body cannot be...
1: <laughs>
0: my body cannot be Isaac. So, this is the same person. Uh-huh. So, the name of my head is the same as my body is one person so the church is the body Christ is the head all together is called Christ the Bible says so also is Christ the Bible didn't say so also is the body of Christ so also is Christ so the body is Christ so the church is Christ hallelujah Hallelujah. now where is the feet of Christ in the body the feet of Christ is in the body now when I mention the feet the feet stands for the weakest members of the body of Christ The feet, the toes, and the toenails represent the least and the weakest members of the body of Christ. The head, which is the individual Christ, shaped the devil and destroyed him. But Jesus is waiting for the church, the members of his body, even the weakest among us, to experientially and practically walk in the realities of the victory he purchased for us at Calvary, to value Satan and his forces, and have dominion over the challenges and the circumstances of life, reign and rule in joy, in life, in light, in the Holy Ghost. He's waiting for us to walk in that victory. So when the least members of the body who are at the feet begin to walk in victory over Satan and his cohorts. You know, but the adverse situations of life and walk in joy, in victory, fulfilling your purpose, glorifying God. When we come to that place, the feet will now have a full stool. <laughs> full stool. Hallelujah. That means that practically the members of the body are now having the victory. They are now reinforcing the victory Jesus purchased for them. So he's is expecting. Jesus is expecting. He's waiting. The Bible says, henceforth. So this thing is very important. It's not a joke. That's why the word of God is important to be taught. So we can work in the, in the, in the victory he gave us. And this is important before rapture. Because he has put all things under his feet. He's expecting. Jesus ex- he is henceforth, ex- Hence, so he has been expecting till uh, the day he sat down. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down, henceforth, expecting. From that time he's expecting hmm. till his enemies be made his foos That's what it means. And it's going to come to pass. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: You don't worry about sickness again. You don't worry about disease again. About poverty again. About curse again. Anxiety again. Worry again. All those things are under your feet. You are always smiling in life. And you are focused on what God called you to do. That's That's a good life. Hallelujah! Because we're walking in that kind of revelation. It's under your feet. My, 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 my. God says, "The reign of my people." Oh my! Oh, may love economy reign. <laughs> yeah. Walking in the word, because it works. It works. May God write a statement with us. Yeah, to principalities and powers, because God has found a people who have gotten hold of his word. And it is working. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let me show you the timelines of the times of the Gentiles. The Bible mentions what is called the times of the Gentiles. Apostle Paul said, I will not have you ignorant of this mystery, lest ye ye should be wise in your own conceit. How that blindness in part is happened unto Israel, unto the fullness of the Gentiles becoming. In Romans 11 verse 25, the Bible mentions the fullness of the Gentiles and the times of the Gentiles. We find a similar expression in Luke 21:24 concerning Jerusalem. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and they shall be carried captive to all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be coming. You know what God? God's calendar on the earth. The Bible calls something the times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles began with the reign of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. When Israel was taken into captivity, the first kingdom to rule the world under Nebuchadnezzar. You remember Nebuchadnezzar? That was a Babylon. You remember Babylon? he was ruling the world that is when the gentiles actually took over the world then from after him came another empire called the Medo-Persian empire after that also came the grecian empire greece and alexander the great after them came the roman empire so these are the empires that have ruled the world the roman empire lasted till The time of our Lord Jesus Christ and when the church was born, the early church, the early church, they experienced the Roman Empire. But between the Roman Empire and the revised, now the last empire is called the revised Roman Empire. (laughs) Praise God. The revised Roman Empire is the empire of the Antichrist. And that comes after the rapture of the church. So follow me carefully, amazingly, between the Roman Empire and the Revised Roman Empire, <laughs> all these thousands of years, no, there was no empire. For the first time, there was no earthly empire ruling the world. Why? God reserved that time for the reign of the church. Hallelujah. For the reign of the church, so it's our time, it's our time. It's our time to reign. Yeah. You know how we reign? We reign in the name of Jesus. He gave us his name. You just have to find out how much authority Jesus has. Do you know how much authority Jesus has? Take time and study how much authority Jesus has. It's too wide. It's too great. It's too profound. And if you found out, then you know how much authority he gave you. Because God gave Jesus the universal, universal wide authority. He, you know what he did? Then he gave you that authority. Now we are functioning in the same authority Jesus functioned. That's why he said all authority in the heaven and the earth. King James says, All authority in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and make disciples. Of all nations Read in the passion the passion translation the passion says all the authority of the universe has been given unto me go therefore in my authority yeah. <laughs> that's a passion <laughs> all the authority of the universe has been given to me you now you know what he did he gave us a power of attorney <laughs> you know the power of atten- attorney <laughs> It's like a legal document authorized and signed, given to you to represent someone, a firm, a business, or something like that. So you have the authority to represent the person according to the same authority. What you do is what the person has done. So he gave us all of his authority. Brethren, Jesus' authority is above all sovereignties, above all governments above everything look even the, even the Holy Ghost and the Father they all hide behind the name of Jesus such that you cannot come to the Father without the name you cannot receive the Spirit without the name so much that even for the Holy Ghost to come on the earth he needed to come under that name He says even a comforter whom the Father will send in my name he couldn't send him without his name <laughs> because everything is given to that name And that is authority we have. Every one of us. And we must know it. So it's our time to reign. We are the ones reigning. Because the Bible says He has made us kings. He has. Not that He will. Do you understand English at all? He has. This is how to meditate. Just go into the room. Wake up at dawn and just take think, think that one verse. He has. Just think about has he has, I'm telling you, he has he has, that's how I meditate I can just use has he has, he has wow, he has when you meditate you are not seeking to get knowledge you are seeking to get the consciousness of the word (laughs) until the word becomes you he has, he has because you are seeking to win the battles of life with the word, the word reading in your heart he has, he has wow, hallelujah hallelujah you can have great knowledge, but the word is not in your heart. You can say big things, but the word is not in your heart. It doesn't satisfy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's our time to reign. This is our, our regime. Are you here with me? Oh, yeah. Let me show another one. Matthew chapter one. So now we are joint as. Can you imagine what it means to be joint as with Christ? Is God really serious? Is he serious? You know what it means to be a joint (laughs) heir? Joint heir means that it's like a joint signatory to an account. It's like two people who own the same land. One cannot possess it without the consent of the other. cleronomos. That's a word. Cleros is a land, but two people who own a land so whatever Christ has is ours now we are not co-heirs it's not 60-40 or 30-70 we are joint heirs, (laughs) it's 100-100 that's what what God has done so much that God couldn't have exalted Jesus without, without not having exalted us that is what the Bible says and has raised us up together we had to be raised together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ now the Greek said and had enthroned us together that's the Greek. We have been enthroned together. In the Greek, we are co-seated, co-seated in His executive authority. So now we share in the authority that the throne represents, and we have we have His authority. We, we are partaking of His authority. We have the throne rights. My oh my! That's when you see the devil. you you just look at him, he should run. You shouldn't run. What business have you gotten for to run from Satan or from witches? They should run. You understand? How can darkness uh, chase light? If in this ministry you are afraid of witches, shame on you. you. When you dream and you say, Witches chasing you, wake up that day, don't fast, eat very well, and say, Satan, you are dispossessed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah it's what jesus has done that's what he has done praise god His authority has given us it's an authority my oh my i join this And to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all (laughs) all principality and powers might and dominion and every other name that is named not only in this world but in that also which is to come and has put all things under his feet And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, Korakata, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. The Bible says, far above. (laughs) Now in the Greek, the word "far" is another thing. If you add above, it's also another thing. (laughs) And the Bible says, all principalities. You see, all means all with no exemption. Principalities are in three classes in the Bible. You see, when the Bible says all principalities, it's talking about three classes of principalities. It's talking about angelic principalities, demonic principalities, and human principalities.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> human principalities, we see that in titles, put them in, into mind that they become subject to principalities and powers. He's talking about human leaders and human government. Then there's angelic principalities who is ascended up into heaven, angels and authorities being subject to him. That's in Peter. You see, then we have demonic principalities. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. So, principalities are in the realm of the human, the angelic, and the demonic. But you know where we are? We have been raised far above all. All. So, our dominion is above demonic hierarchy. We are above all of them we are above angelic hierarchy we are above human don't you mention it we are above all sovereignties. sometimes you may think they are ruling they are ruling physically but we are on our knees <laughs> our knees we can reign on our knees and by the words of our mouth hallelujah. hallelujah let's go back to Matthew I mentioned Matthew chapter 1 verse 17 We are reigning. Matthew is very, very interesting. The Bible speaks of three categories of generations. So when you start Matthew chapter 1 and you read, the Bible is a, it's a categorization, a chronology of the generations of God's people, the tribe of Judah. Now this is the summary. So all the generations from Abraham, Abraham to David are 14 generations. So it begins from Abraham to David and the Bible says there are 14 generations. You know you can easily count. You can count all the names from David to Abraham. 14 generations. 14. And from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. God does everything perfectly. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. So 14, 14, 14. How many how, how many? Yeah. It's 42. Yeah. Dr. Vaughan has gotten it. Yeah. She's a scientist. Proper scientist. Some of you here, you did art, so you are struggling. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. So let's go to um, verse fourteen. All right. Let's go to sixteen. Sixteen, rather. Actually, if I had time, would have counted, would have counted the generations from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ. So, we are told that there are 14 generations, but when you count them, there are only 13 generations. It's amazing. The Bible is amazing. Uh When you count them, there are 13 generations. The first one is 14, the second one is 14. The third one is not 14, it's 13. (laughs) Hallelujah. So, actually, in the third one, we can find that in verse 16. Let's see the 16th. Uh-huh. And Jacob begat Joseph. Jacob, yeah, that's 11th generation. Begat Joseph, that's the 12th generation. The husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. That's the 13th generation. But the Bible says there are 14 generations. But when you So go home and count them one by one. Don't repeat them. Some of the names are repeated. You shouldn't repeat them. Count them one by one. You realize that there are thirteen. Why is the Bible? Is the Bible lying? God cannot lie. <laughs> Praise God. So, the last generation is hidden. The last generation is hidden. Hmm. And these are the generation of kings. You see, the 14, 14, 14. The first 14 are the fathers. The second 14 are the civilians. The third 14 are the kings. In Matthew chapter 1. So, with the generation of kings, there should be 14, but now there are 13. But the Bible also tells us that there were 14, but when you count them, there are 13. The last generation is missing. Come with me to the book of Psalm 102, verse 18. Psalm 102, verse 18. Psalm 102 is very powerful, and as you read prophecies prophecies after everything he says this shall be written for the generation to come and the people which shall be created shall praise the lord now this shall be written for now in the hebrew this shall be written for the last generation so you can check it in other versions other versions uses last generations this shall be written for the last generation cool on. the people that shall be created who are the people that shall be created he's talking about the church <laughs> The church, because there are two creations: the first creation, which is the old creation; the new creation, which is the church. This shall be written for the last generation. The people that shall be created shall praise the Lord. So, the church is the last generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Back to Matthew chapter one. Now, back to Matthew chapter one, verse sixteen. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. Jesus is the thirteenth generation, which is called Christ, the fourteenth generation. The 14th generation, Christ, because the church, as I quoted in first Corinthians 12, verse 12, the body is Christ. You understand? So we are the last generation, and all of us are kings. God has grafted us in. We have been grafted. We have been grafted. Yeah. A wild olive tree. We have been grafted to partake of the fatness and the richness of the roots we have been grafted in, we are kings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God sees you as much a king like the kings and much more. Praise God. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies thine footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of his strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. From the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. Psalm 110 is not a prophecy about the millennium, it's a prophecy about the church. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies that foolstool. Number one, in the millennium there are no enemies because in the millennium Satan is bound in abyss in a bottomless pit there are no enemies in the millennium <laughs> hallelujah and when would the enemies be made his full stool by the time of the rapture the enemy should be made his full stool according to the scriptures so the lord said unto my lord sit down at my right hand until the lord shall send a rod of his strength out of zion which is a church to rule down in the midst of thine enemies that people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Ma, 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 ma. In the Hebrew, that people shall be free-will offerings in the day of your army. That's the Hebrew. The word power is not a word for power, it's a word for military, army. And willing is free-will offerings, as is used in Leviticus. So we will give ourselves freely to God in the day of his God God is raising his army, we are his mighty army, hallelujah. And as we come, Satan is totally, totally vanquished in every way, in every form to the glory of God. Alright, now so I presented to you that we are, we are the one in charge. We are the one reigning. But before our regime, there was a regime who was reigning before us. His name is called Death. Death. Of course, when the Bible says death is reigning, the one who is reigning behind death is Satan. Romans 5:17. Let's see how the Bible says it. Romans 5:17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, I like now I want us to do some English language. Now look at it. Reigned is a past tense or present tense. So death reigned. Which can you imagine which that means, in the, in, the, in the Greek, the word reigning is emper, empirical rule. Death reigned as an emperor. Hmm. Death reigned as an emperor. Tyra, tyrannic rule. Death reigned. The Bible no, didn't say death is reigning. It's reigned. That means that on God's calendar, is past. Hmm. Praise God. It's past. Slave trade was abolished in 1807, legally, on paper, but the people didn't know. People were still doing slave trade until 1833, when it was really abolished. <laughs> yes, meanwhile on paper, legally it has been abolished, but people are still doing it. So the fact that death is having a sway among men doesn't mean death has not been abolished. Because he abolished, he abolished death and brought life. And immortality to light through the gospel. Oh, death, where is that sting? Oh, grave, where is that victory? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And let's see Hebrews chapter 2. Now, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. For as much then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him. Look at the English here. That is a has or had. Ah, he's talking about Satan here. He might destroy him that's hado, not has. So let's beware about this man, this person called Satan. He doesn't really have it like we think, because the Bible says he had. So he used to be, but he doesn't have. <laughs> the Bible is not, make, not making any mistake. He had, not has. He had the power of death, so Satan now doesn't has doesn't have the power of death. He had, because Jesus appeared to John in in, in vision. John saw Jesus in heaven. Jesus says, "I'm He that liveth." And was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have in my hands the keys of death and Hades. So the keys are not in the hands of Satan. He once had it, he doesn't have it now. If you read First Corinthians two verse six in the Moffat version, I don't think we have Moffat version here. But give me some let's go to First Corinthians two verse six. Can you give me other amplified or something? How be it we speak wisdom among them which are perfect? Marakatayake is here. Yet when we we are coming among the full-grown spiritual mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impact a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden. But it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age, or of this world, nor the leaders and the rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. When you read from the Moffat version, it he he puts it this way. He's talking about satanic hierarchy. He says, the dethroned powers who are becoming useless. The dethroned, he refers to satanic forces as the dethroned powers who are becoming useless. They're dethroned. So they are dethroned. I am enthroned. You are enthroned. Who is on the throne? You. Who is dethroned? The dethroned powers becoming useless. You know, become useless. What it means is that by Friday, your uselessness would have increased. What it means is that the more the days are going, the more your uselessness are. In.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, any, a new, any coming, a coming new day. Increases Satan's uselessness. Yeah. Uh-huh. The more the days are passing, the more their uselessness. Their uselessnesses are becoming useless. Is that good English? <laughs> <laughs> Dethroned. Dethroned. You are enthroned. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, all right, all right, all right. When I say death, you see, when I say death, you may be thinking of just physical death. I'm not just talking about physical death. Physical death is just one of the uh, sons of death. Yeah, Job 18 speaks of the firstborn of death. Death has firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, fourthborn, fifthborn. Yeah, because Job tells us that the firstborn of death is physical weakness. So when we speak of death, we are talking about, look, unnecessary fatigue. We are talking about death and its incipient. The incipient of death. The Bible calls it plix, the plagues of death. The plagues of death. God says in Hosea, I will redeem you from the power of the grave. I will ransom you from death. Oh, death, I will be thy plagues. oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance is hid from my eyes. Hosea 13 verse 14. Oh, death, I'll be thy plagues. Apostle Paul says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? You know the plagues of death, the instruments by which death uses to ensnare the human race. First, we have physical weakness, unnecessary fatigue. They are all the incipients of death. The things that pertain pertains to death. Physical weakness, unnecessary fatigue, then sickness, then physical death. All sorts of worries, depressions, anxieties frustrations, poverty, curse, guilt, condemnation. These are all the cousins, the sisters, the nephews of death. <laughs> so when we say death, it's not just a physical death or the, yeah, the dissolution of the physical body. All of these are death. You see? Frustration, unnecessary, I mean, unnecessary depressions, uh-huh. sicknesses, unnecessary fatigues, all of these came by death. So, when we say its the regime, its the reign is over, just think about it. That means you are not permitted to be sick. So, when sickness comes, what are you doing
1: here?
0: Your regime is long over. Leave. You see how it comes. Leave.
1: Then
0: you, you walk away. The pain may be there, but don't think about it, it's
1: gone.
0: The presence of the pain doesn't mean it's not gone. The root is gone. You are just waiting for the manifestation. Yeah. Because we are people of faith. Yeah. Don't let your feelings rule you. Let the word rule you. If you co- command a migraine to go and it's still aching you, don't think it's not gone. Who, who told you it's not gone? When Jesus cursed the victory, nothing happened. But wasn't it cursed? It was cursed. The root had dried. It was just a matter of a little time. The whole thing fell down. So when you curse that disease, still walk and confess it is cursed and just be happy because it is truly cursed. As the root dries up, the whole thing will melt, will melt away. Work by faith. Not by faith. Work by faith. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, death, the reign of death is over. We are now reigning. Are, are you here tonight? Let's act like the word of God is true, so that the hospital doesn't become your second home. Some people love hospitals. They love to go. (laughs) There are people who take medicine every day for the past 10 years. Yeah, I lived with some people for all my life. They were taking medicines every day. It's not bad, but you see, you have to grow. 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 The Bible says that um, look at Hebrews 10 verse 12. Let me show you something. 13 14 Mm -hmm. By one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Thank you, Jesus. You see, you see this verse. By one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, in, in English, sanctified is the past tense. But in the Greek, it's not past tense. It's present progressive tense. So in the Greek, it goes like this. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Who are being sanctified. What kind of sanctification is this? Okay, this sanctification is joined to the word offering. The word offering also means sacrifice. By one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now the word sanctified here actually implies being separated by and by onto the provisions that was accomplished by his sacrifice. Being separated by and by onto the provisions that was accomplished by his sacrifice. The more you separate yourself into it, God causes sanctification. Let me give an example. What did Jesus accomplish by His death? One of it is your health and healing. Is that not so? He Himself took your infirmity; He took it. But you may be a believer for 20 years; you have never believed God for your healing. What you you only believe is medical healing, but you have never believed for divine healing. So every day you take medicine every day is fine, but once upon a time, you, you you sat on your bed as you were reading the Bible. You were immediately awakened to the reality of what Jesus did, and they go like, I, "I will not despise this. I believe it," and now you begin to embrace it. Wow! So He did this for me. You believe it. You confess it. You begin to live it. The Bible calls that sanctification. You are now being separated to what His sacrifice gave you. It's called sanctification. So the Word of God I mean, works sanctification in us. Now our eyes are open to receive more of what Jesus did for us. For instance, every day you just live by your salary. By your salary. Every time your salary. Then you are awakened to see that no. Your salary. Then you get to know that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet he became poor. That ye through his poverty might become rich. Might become, in the Greek, filthy, stinking rich. Ah. (laughs) <laughs> Plutocrats. Plutocrats. So you go like, wow. So let me separate myself. Let me see the keys and the principles that makes this work. And you start sowing, tithing, giving. You may not see it at the beginning, but you are consistent because you. The more you, plank, uh, you, you, you pluck into it, Bible calls that sanctification. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You start winning souls, it is sanctification. So all that he did, if you separate yourself to it, is sanctification. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, praise God. Hallelujah. Understand this. Romans 5 verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even of them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come? You know what it means? Let's start from verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless death reigned from Adam to Moses. So this is Adam. Please, Adam, come here. Can I get a Moses, the man with the law? Moses. Moses. Moses was a great shepherd. So death reigned from Adam to Moses. Yet from Adam to Moses, there was was no law. There was no Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. What was he saying? He's saying that but let me ask a question, do you realize that? From Adam to Moses, men began to live a very great age, let me tell you something. From Adam to Moses, men began to live from 900, and, who was the oldest man, Methuselah, he lived how many years? 969. Nine. So from Adam to Moses, we have 969 years to 120 years. After Moses, it dropped to 70. Oh, no. <laughs> After Moses, it dropped to 70. Huh. From Adam to Moses, they lived a very great age. Go and check their records. We have 800, 900, 700, 600, 500, 400, 200, up to 120. The moment the law was given, it started It came down to 70. Then 70 and once a while, 80, and it's like, it's, it's, you know. <laughs> Why? Because he says that (laughs) from this time to this time there was no law, yet death still reigned. But from this time onward, what, what happened? It doesn't mean that it didn't rain. It even rained greater because the law was given. Why? So why is it that from Adam to Moses, people live very great age? after Moses, your years came down. Because of the law. Why? Because of sin consciousness. By the law is a knowledge of sin. In Romans 3, by the law is a knowledge. What it means is that the law gives us sin consciousness. And when you work in sin consciousness, it gives death the legal ground to take your life. So every time, hey, hey, what have I done? Have I done right or wrong? Have I sinned? Every time, you you. sow the death that you it's like you're indebted. Your conscience is uh, always sin, some, some, That's what brings death. That's why we have to walk in righteousness consciousness. Uh, I'll come there. All right. So, how many years do you have to live on earth? How many years do you think you should live on earth? Some say seventy, but it's not correct. That's some ninety, from verse ten. Psalm 90, you know, when you read the Bible, you have to know who was Moses speaking to. Psalm 90 was the son of Moses. And Moses was saying that days of our years are 70 years. But if by reason of strength, they become 80 years. That one is even labor and strength, labor and sorrow. He was talking about when they were wandering in the wilderness. The whole psalm is about when they were wandering in the wilderness. And go to the next verses. It says that they were under God's wrath. were under god's anger and god's wrath and in the desert they died up to seven they lived up to 70. they didn't go beyond 70 because they were under god's wrath because they had broken the law praise god that is why they died so some 70s when they were in under the law in the wilderness so they lived up to 70. so don't think 70 is what god has given us then a lot of people also say that we have to live up to 120. but that is also not ultimate because when God says man's age will be 120 years, it was spoken in judgment. My spirit will no longer strive with men, seeing he also is flesh, his days shall be 120 years. It was spoken in judgment. But we are not under judgment. Because he that heareth these sayings of mine and believeth on him that sent me shall not shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. So one twenty was spoken in judgment. 70 was when they were under God's wrath. The believer is not under God's wrath. The believer is not under judgment. So how many years do you have to live on earth? (laughs) How many years? I I don't live in Psalm 90. I live in Psalm 91. Psalm 91 verse 16. What long life will he satisfy me? (laughs) And show me his salvation. So, now... With long life, will he satisfy me and show him my salvation. In the Hebrew, salvation here is Yeshua. With long life, will I satisfy him and show him my Yeshua. Yeshua in English is Jesus. Jesus is Yeshua. So with long life, will I satisfy him him and show him my Jesus. So why do you have to live long? So you see more of Jesus. That's all. So now, how long you live on earth is satisfaction. It's not God being satisfied, you being satisfied. So if you are seventy, if you are 17 you are satisfied, you can go home. Oh, yeah. it's, up it's up to you. But it's up to whether you have finished the work. But there are some people, they, finish the, they, they go like, when I finish my work, I want to be on earth. I don't know why you still want to be on earth when you finish your work. It's like you are National Service personnel, you, you were posted, posted to Saboba for one year and you struggled and by the grace of God you finish your, your, <laughs> <laughs> your ten, and you still want to say Saboba. Sabo, 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 what are you doing
1: there?
0: Remember that Saboba and New York cannot be compared to the earth and heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so once your work is finished you can go home. I think that's what is needed. Yeah. 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 And once you are satisfied. Ken Higgins professed his death four years before he died. At the conference, he said, Oh, I'm going home. The Lord has showed me that I'm going home. Not the next year, not the other year, but at the fourth. He prophesied it at the conference that he'll be going home. What a life. He has ah, finished his work on earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and the exact time he went to be with the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brethren, may we all finish our work. Yes, it, that, that does it. That, that What are you here for? Life is short. Even if it's 1,000 years, it's still short. What are you here for? Focus on that assignment. Don't be distracted. There are too many distractions in this world. No, 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 focus on the main thing. There are some people, when they go to school, they forget they are in school. They will follow some guys and do a whole lot of things, forgetting that they will do their final exams. When the final exam comes, they will begin to sweat profusely. Appear on the paper. Appear on the paper. And (laughs) nothing's appearing. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Moses. (laughs) Thank you, Adam. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, brethren... You have to work in... Health is the greatest blessing after our salvation. So, you can work in health. No, you can work in health. You know, weakness, sickness, and death are all the incipient of death. Death incipient. That which pertains to death. Yeah, death is not raining. So speak to the weakness in your body. Speak to, speak to the sickness in your body. It's not difficult at all. We make things difficult. In God's economy, there's no difference between headache and cancer. <laughs> we our doubt and unbelief devise them. <laughs> Praise God. Paul says for this cause many are weak, sick, and some have fallen asleep. The word weak is asthenes; it is physical weakness, but in the Greek the second definition means to become financially poor. Yeah. Poverty. Yeah, poverty. So your people are destined to be wealthy.
1: Yeah.
0: When you reign in life, how can you be reigning in life and be complaining about the economy? Yeah, when you talk about it, don't talk about it as if your life has ended. Of course we don't like the situation, but you speak with your whole heart as if your your life is finished. Two prizes oh no, no 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 look even if you are in a hot soup don't say you are in the soup even if you are in a soup say you are in the snow <laughs> ah that's that's the bible let the weak say yeah the weak shouldn't say he's weak even if you don't have transportation don't talk if you don't have transportation Talk big, talk big.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because you
0: see, what has happened in the world now last Sunday Prophet Manasseh's birthday I I I spoke about that. <laughs> Cause in the economy. What has happened now? <laughs> The world will go worse and worse and worse. The world has no hope. The hope is the church in Israel. Uh-huh. Because what is happening has been prophesied in the Bible. John saw the four living creatures, the four beasts. And when he saw the third beast, he said, He heard the third beast say, Come and see. And he saw a black horse. And he that sat on the black horse had a pair of balances. And he heard a voice from the midst of the four beasts saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. But see that thou hast not the oil and the wine. Revelation 6, verse 5 and 6. It's a prophecy about the coming inflation before Christ comes. Before Christ comes, there is a spirit entity with a, a, on a black horse that will be released from hell to walk upon the earth. <laughs> With a pair of balances, financial crisis, huh. and this is a prophecy. I'm telling you concerning the end time, and it's a prophecy about inflation. And John used the economic system of his day as a parable for what will happen. For a for a measure of which to be to be sold for a penny, a penny is a day's wage. What was absurd? That means that it was it was twelve times its normal price. Yes. So you, a whole day's wage, you work a whole, for a whole day and you can only buy a loaf of bread. <laughs> they I heard on the news, yesterday are heard that uh, by the end of this year, a loaf of bread in Europe will be $12. Yes. A loaf of bread in Europe will be $12. That's a, more than 70 Ghana city. It's almost 80 Ghana city, right? <laughs> Bread oh
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> bread, just bread. Mm. <laughs> Imagine buying a one, seventy five Ghana or eighty Ghana. <laughs> we must rain. We must rain. We are raining. <laughs> Hallelujah! Imagine this thing happens and you are so worthy that you buy a lot of bread and you are distributing it to your neighbors. When you send them the gospel, they cannot refuse it. Yeah. When they see a person, hey!
1: They walk up with smiles.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where I live, there behind my house, there are wild we smokers around. But they, when they see me, oh, yes, oh, pastor. You know why? <laughs> One day, I was home and I heard someone knocking my gate. One of them, his wife, had delivered. And there was no money to bring the wife and a child from the hospital. Because he was massively owing. so every help, they come and knock my gate pastor. so I said how much, I just went this huge guy was crying like a baby (laughs) I was happy for the opportunity but what about if I didn't have it
1: what will you tell them, you can't say you don't have it
0: (laughs) so I just gave it to him I didn't say anything. It's enough. They know I'm a pastor. They know I'm representing Christ. So that, that alone is a, a non-verbal gospel. <laughs>
1: they,
0: I, knew, I knew he would come back. He, he just came back <sighs> thanking me and I chipped in the word. Understand? Recently another person too. said his mom was dying at a the hospital. There's no money anywhere. I mean, he just came to knock at my door.
1: Huh.
0: Stop. So <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so they all salute me. All the weed smokers. Oh, pastor! They just go the oh, pastor. <laughs> <So, laughs> there was one time. There was this guy. He was so frustrated in life. He was going to do sakawa. He's going to give his life as a sacrifice. Then he said that there's a, there's a pastor there. So he said, that is his last chance. He just came to knock. If I don't respond, he's just going to talk about street. <laughs> so I got him. That evening, listen. Ah, he confessed Christ and spoke in tongues. <laughs> Hallelujah. So so many things are happening. So we are God's people. We we must be Goshen delivered from the plagues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! You may have nothing now, but your eyes shouldn't be on that. You, you will grow in it. I, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. You you grow in it. The, the, yeah, the principle works. And in, look in James five from verse two to verse seven. I wish I can get in, but it's also a summary. Let me summarize it. It's a prophecy about the last day, the economy of the last days. It says that <laughs> ma, 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 ma. the next verse, your good and silver is conquered and the rest of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. The next verse, behold, I have the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud cried, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the years of the, of the Lord of Sabbath. Look at the 7. The patient, therefore brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Listen, this is a prophecy, what will happen before Jesus comes. And the prophecy is it's, it's economic, that workers are not going to receive their due salary. Yeah, they are not going to receive their due compensation. You work for 5000 and you are given 2000 you work for seven thousand you are giving three thousand. Why? Because there are some people sitting somewhere monopolizing the system and the Bible says they have heaped up treasure for themselves. Keeping it. That's what is going to happen. In the last days, in the very last of the age, men are going to heap up treasures and deprive their workers, employees of what is due them. That's why there are so many strikes. It's not money problem. It's selfishness problem. Monopoly. Some people are just holding up things for themselves. Hmm. My brother said he was in UK and a minister entered into a certain supermarket. He said they should load everything for him. minister from Ghana, this is my biological brother telling me, he, sees this, he got there and said oh, he's buying everything. He said he was shocked, this my brother is wealthy, but he was shocked. He's buying everything in the supermarket. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. Hallelujah. This is why we must live in God's economic system. Look, the systems of this world are failing systems. Balaam prophesied and said, "The people shall dwell alone, and they shall not be reckoned among the nations. We are a nation among the nations. We have a different economic system from the systems of the world. So giving, tithing, giving, increasing in it, you will see God's faithfulness. That is how we live. There's no life again. That's how we live. It has worked for us. It has worked for us. I used to be so poor. Sometimes I go on the street and beg." But I didn't let anyone say it. I go to places where no one knew me. <laughs> because I was ashamed. I'm telling the truth. Hard. Different,
1: locations.
0: Different locations. Where the gospel had not gone. By me. <laughs> and I just called someone. Oh, please can you help me. Meanwhile God had spoken to me about. The sacrifice I was given. But I, but I never understood. So it works. Praise God. That's why I saw gold dust coming down. Wow. 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 Hallelujah.
1: My, 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 my.
0: What is the time? Do you know I just finished my introduction? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, it's, People are anointed. You are anointed. Because you are pulling out the word.
1: God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.